Hello and welcome back or welcome to the Riley Breakfield Show. I am your host, Riley Breakfield. You can find this show on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, you know, whatever, whatever you prefer the most. Me, I'm a Spotify guy. I've been listening to podcasts on Spotify for like five years now. Just to me, it gives me the best experience. I don't like to give Apple too much attention, you know. That's mostly for the reason I right there and usually I'm listening to, you know, podcasts when I'm working. I don't I don't I don't like to watch YouTube videos too much. I have like a laundry list of a hundred some videos I should I've been wanting to watch, but I just don't usually sit down and take the time to to watch YouTube, you know. So, but I am on YouTube if you want to check it out. Got a pretty packed show today, I would say. You know, lots of news to cover. Lots of things been going on college football world, especially you know, big big news going on there in Twitter. You know, I love to talk about Twitter. Got some stuff to talk about there. Gonna hit my top five this week. A top five reality TV shows should be a good one. Stick around if you're into those kind of things. And kind of my top takeaways from the conference championship games this weekend. A couple NFL takeaways, whatnot. And then just finishing the show out like I always do on Tuesdays with just my thoughts. Should be a good one, I think. I hope it, uh, I clip it out. We'll get the people a little excited. Get a couple more followers, you know. But uh, don't forget to like, share, subscribe. But let's get into it. Currently, I'm sitting here recording, watching the Bucks saints game. Second half just started. Both teams looking just about as bad as they have all year. So nothing crazy here. Don't really care too much to talk about it. Just like to have something on the background to watch, basically, because I have ADHD, I think. I don't know. I've never been diagnosed, but I think that I do. I probably do. I have. I, I can never not do anything. I have to be doing something pretty much 24-7. And if I'm not doing anything, I'm sitting there twittering my fingers, twittering my legs. I just I have a problem. I have ADHD, I think. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I don't. Maybe I just have a case of autism. I did take an autism test one time and found that I had slight autism. So, who knows? Maybe I do. Maybe I am a little autistic. Let's get into today's show, though. By far one of the biggest news from the weekend has to be Deion Sanders heading to Colorado. I love the move. I'm excited to hopefully see Colorado back on the center stage. You know, as a top-tier program, they were very good there a while in the 90s i mean they won a national championship good location there in boulder colorado you know very mountainous very beautiful um, good environment i've been there myself i i, I did enjoy boulder so i i think it i think it's going to be a good hire I, I think no matter where Deion sanders goes recruits will follow kids will follow parents will want their kids to play for Deion. i mean think about you know the age of kids that we have you know 18 19 you know these type of ages their their fathers more than likely grew up watching prime play they've known prime for a long time they've seen him and seen him out there you know on social media and stuff like that he's a man of, he's a man of god he's a man of christ parents are going to want their kids to play for that and kids are going to want to play for prime time it's i mean it's fucking Deion sanders who's not going to want to go play for him i mean kids are already trey sanders he's transferring from alabama he's already asked if there's room for him his Deion son is coming, you know, Shudder Sanders is going to have to work for the starting job, Deion did say, but kid's a hell of a quarterback. I've watched a couple of his games, watched him sling the ball. He can he can definitely sling it, so it'll be fun to see if he can win that job at Colorado. I'd be surprised if he didn't. I mean, he was like a three- or four-star coming out of high school, very talented kid. I'm sure, you know, Travis Hunter's following. A lot of people are upset by the move. A lot of people said he used HBCUs. That That's a complete farce. It's a complete false. I mean, Everything that guy did for Jackson State, I mean, he put his own money back into the program. They built new facilities. I mean, because Jackson State took a chance on him, other HBCUs are taking chances on, like, Eddie Georgia, Tennessee State, you know, bringing in these well-known guys that have had very successful careers, allowing them to lead young men. I mean, 
what more can you know you ask for? Uh, a lot of times, I think in these situations, these younger guys are going to want to go with somebody that's made the league, somebody that's been there, somebody that's done that. You know, so I think it's the right move for Dion. I think good things are going to come. Who knows how long he'll stay there? They might run into a money issue, possibly. You know, the the AD did come out and publicly say that they don't have the money to pay him right now, but he knows damn well they will in the future. Because I'm sure they're going to start selling out tickets like crazy. They have one good game. I'm sure the community is going to get involved. I'm sure people are going to want to go check it out. People, I mean, they're going to get TV views. I mean, Colorado is on the up and up. I think it's a smart hire for where their program is at. One of the dumpster fire programs in college football the past couple of years. It's an all-around smart move, I think. It gives Dion his shot at coaching a Power 5 team. Could lead him to a bigger job, possibly. Who knows? He could stay at Colorado for 10 years and turn them into a college football playoff powerhouse. I'm excited. I think he's going to make the, the Pac-12 even more exciting. You know, they already had a killer year. Tons of teams ranked in the top 25. All sorts of, you know, everybody beating up on each other. Add another team into that mix. You know, Arizona, another team in that conference that's on the rise. I'm excited about the move. I wish USC and UCLA were staying, though. It would make that conference fucking so fun for the, at least the next five years. If you think about Lincoln Riley and Chip Kelly both staying at those jobs. Yeah, Colorado then. Yeah, Oregon, Oregon State, both on the climb up. Washington, Washington State, both on the climb up. Stanford, if they get the right guy, could be on the climb up. I mean, the Pac-12 could be so fun. It really could, but we'll see what happens. I'm excited about Dion. I think he's going to get he's gonna get the job done there and actually make Colorado back to who they used to be in the 90s. A couple other head coaching notes. You know, I was talking a lot about Jamie Chadwell, head coach at Coast Carolina. He just got the head coach job at Liberty. Liberty's been a pretty decent job. I mean, Hugh Freeze was doing really well there. I think Chadwell can do the same. Um, he's a very good coach. We've seen it at Coastal. I think he can continue. Liberty's, I mean, they've been on the up and up. They finished 8-4 and four this year. Hugh Freeze obviously recruited tons of talent there. So he's got a good foundation to work with, a good program to work with, a really good opportunity for him. Could be more than likely just a stepping stone, in my opinion. Excited to see what happens, happens there with him. By far, though, one of the biggest, biggest most exciting news for me out of the news cycle i saw today old boy coach ed odron is apparently in the running for the head coaching job at unlv university of nevada las vegas you guess where the school is it's located in las vegas that's another hire that could be you know really interesting to watch you know a lot of people don't give edo enough credit credit i think for 2019 you know but he did put the team together. He did put the coaches in place. He did help recruit the players. Kids did want to play with him. I don't see anything changing at UNLV. You know, you just got to worry about old boy wanting to go out there and throw a couple bills on the line, you know, maybe gamble on the game. I don't think Edo would do that. I've always liked Edo as a coach. I think he kind of got a bad shake here at the end. But at the same time, it was kind of his fault. You know, the program wasn't where it was supposed to be or needed to be. Bad culture was just building. It was time for Edo to go. Don't think that's a, that he's a bad coach, though. I definitely think that, you know, he can get a job like UNLV and turn that place into a powerhouse in the Mountain West Conference considering all that they got going on, you know, with the NIL and the transfer portal these days. I don't see how it couldn't be a possibility to make UNLV into a very, very top-tier Mountain West Conference job, you know, maybe a place that Coach Ed retires at, spends a couple of years at, helps turn them around, get them going in the right place. I think it can be done. I think it could be a good hire. We'll have to just wait and see what happens, but definitely excited for that. Probably some of the biggest news 
in the sporting world and something that I really care about because if you've been listening to any of these episodes, you know this is a college football podcast. I love college football. It's kind of you know a foundation I want to put onto my show here. Transfer portal just opened up today. All sorts of names. You know, I'm gonna hit a few here. First one that I'm I'm most intrigued to see what happens is NC State quarterback Devin Leary announced he was hitting the transfer portal. You know, obviously it was a big reason why NC State's been good the past couple of years. It was supposed to really have a big year this year. Sadly, he got himself hurt. There's there's quite a few big schools that could be looking to add Devin Leary. You know, I mean. He's he's a proven winner. He can lead a team. He can he can ball out. You know, you put a couple more five stars, a couple more athletes around him. That, you know, they can get at maybe a Ohio State, a Georgia, and Alabama places like that. You know, where maybe they don't want to go with one of their young quarterbacks yet, so they take a look at Devin Leary and he comes in and can lead a team to a championship because I think he has those capabilities. I think that if he stayed healthy this whole year, there's a chance NC State was competing for the ACC championship, competing for a playoff spot. I think that kid has that kind of talent, so I'm interested to see where he's going to go. He's going to be one of those big big dominoes to fall, especially in the quarterback. I mean, everyone knows it's the most important position on the, on the football field, so definitely going to be excited to see where he goes. I think there's definitely going to be a lot of suitors. I think he's going to find himself somewhere where he's really going to be competing, competing more for a playoff spot You know, as compared to the ACC where it's very average, but not no one's really set themselves ahead. A lot of mediocrity still right there in that conference. Another big name and guy that I think is underrated. When I was blogging, but I hate blogging now. I don't blog anymore. I, I can't. I don't have. I can't, I'm better at putting my words in the thoughts than putting them on the piece of paper. Or, you know, typing them out. Phil Dracovic, quarterback at Boston College. I mean, he was on a lot of draft boards coming into the year. He decided to hit the transfer portal. He's already decided that he's going to transfer to Pitt. Keaton Slovis was quarterback there. He's transferring out as well. So Phil should get the starting job. I think he's a very competent. Could be you know very competent top twenty quarterback look going into next year possibly didn't have the right pieces around him at Boston College this year in order to su- succeed I think Pitt kind of might give him a better opportunity in that sense so definitely excited to see what he can do at Pitt gonna be an underrated guy to watch out for next year and could definitely I think elevate that Pitt a Pitt team that didn't have the best quarterback play throughout the year so that's kind of all the big names obviously um, I'm gonna talk about DJ. Ugalele, or I think that's how you say it. I'm talking about him a little bit more here later. His name, obviously, at the portal after he got benched. Talk a little bit more about that later. Um, kind of trans- moving into some guys that put their name out there for the NFL draft. Anthony Richardson has decided to enter the draft. Personally, for me, I don't I don't know if he's ready. I mean, I could see him being a second or third round pick and a team taking a chance on him to kind of be somewhat of a project quarterback. You know, I, I just don't I don't see it with him yet. I think he still needs to develop more as a passer. I I would have preferred him to come back for a year, give it another go, but we'll see what happens. I think the kid's got a ton of potential. I mean, he's got a big arm. He's got amazing, he's amazing on his legs. Hopefully, he just goes to the right situation if he does, you know, decide to ultimately stay in the NFL draft. Hopefully, he goes to the right situation, a team that can either mold him and create him into what you want him to be or you're going to have to do what the Bears have been doing build your offense around him because that's the smartest thing you can do. You either give the kid time or you build your offense around him and let him let him rip. But we'll see. <coughs> Jackson Smith Najigba, wide receiver for Ohio State. Jackson Smith Najigba, I mean, he decided to enter the draft. Some people obviously upset, but I, I totally I totally respect the move and I understand the move that he's doing here. 
you know, if he ultimately knows that his end goal is to play in the National Football League after a season of dealing with injuries when he's probably still going to be a top round, top first round pick, why risk it for possibly one for one game, maybe two if you're lucky if you guys come out on top? Of you. I mean, that's not guaranteed. You still got to get the job done. Dealing with all these injuries this year, I don't, I don't think it's in his best interest to stick stick it out and play and then hopefully. You know, worry about not getting hurt. You know, it could affect his draft stock big time. So I respect the move. I totally get it. I think it's a smart move for him. Like I said, just dealing with all his injuries, you know, don't. why would you risk it when your ultimate goal is to be an NFL football player? And that's that's been his dream, his goal his whole life. Focus on that. Don't waste it for a one game and risk injury and ruining your career possibly. So I think it's a smart choice for him. But in terms of players returning or going to the draft, I'm absolutely stoked. Kayshawn Booty is coming back for one more year with the LSU Tigers. Posted it on Instagram and Twitter. At the bottom, he said the ultimate goal is to be able to compete for a national championship. And that's what he wants to do at LSU. He had a, he had a down year, you know. I mean, a lot of turmoil. Well, not turmoil. There was after the first game, you know, a lot of fans coming after him and other receivers and Jaden Daniels. Team finally was grooving throughout the year, you know, about a, bad way to end it of course but he obviously thinks that this team can come back and be competitive and make the playoff next year him coming back just shows that there's probably more guys on the team that are coming back more guys not entering the portal a lot more faith around the program i love it i think it's the right move for him get back to being a first round draft pick i'm sure he still would have been drafted second or third but you know why not come back for one more year when we can still get paid in college i think it's a smart move for him i'm excited about it I don't even have a lot of words for it. I'm just excited that we got Kayshawn Booty back. The kid's an unreal baller. Didn't really have the chance to show that this year. I hope the offensive scheme can be kind of built more around what he's good at. Not necessarily just built around him, but allow him to be more of a playmaker, get him more in space instead of playing in the slot like he did a lot this year. I think he'd be better, better on the outside, in my opinion. But that excites me to no end. I just, I'm excited. Kayshawn back. I mean, hopefully Jaden Daniels comes back. I'd like to see him come back. But by far one of the biggest dominoes to fall in terms of draft boards right now in terms of big news for LSU especially. MLB free agency has uh, taken off, you know, a couple big things. Trey Turner is going to the Phillies, you know, bolstering that team up. I mean, they they made it to the freaking, what is it, the World Series, you know, getting another good bat, getting another good fielder. I like the move. I think he's going to excel there in Philadelphia. Justin Verlander signed with the Mets today, reunites him with Max Scherzer. Two-year deal, like $80 million. Fills that hole that Jacob deGrom just left by signing with the Rangers, which a lot of people don't get that move necessarily. He's making a lot of money, but, I mean, the Rangers as a whole, their pitching rotation is not that good. They're, they don't have a lot of good bats, so we'll see. It might just be a money grab for him. Another crypto billionaire has turned up dead, this time in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Fourth one I saw. The fourth crypto billionaire that has found himself dead. So, something fishy is obviously going on there, but no one will probably report about it. He'll probably find the best info on the internet. Speaking of the internet, since Elon took over Twitter, there's been all sorts of shebangs, and people aren't happy. Some people love it. Some people hate it. By far one of the biggest things, though, has to be the release over the weekend of the Twitter files. Part one. It's supposed to be multiple parts. This one, well, here, here's a little backstory. If you don't know, the Twitter files are 
basically a series. It's going to come out in multiple parts based upon thousands and thousands of internal documents found within Twitter. This first one, first installment, is based around celebrities and politicians basically requesting the removal of certain tweets on Twitter and stuff like that. Tons of documents. This was released by Matt Tabby, I believe is how you say his name on Twitter. It's about like Matt, M-A-T-T, and then T-A-I-B-B-I, if you want to go check this out for yourself. Kind of just summarizing it here. Basically, what it was was a release of a bunch of documents proving that Twitter had a part to play in the election, basically. The pushing down the censoring of the Hunter Biden laptop story that was released by New York Times. It was There was documents showing that that was shut down, documents showing celebrities you know, wanting certain tweets removed. And there's also a, a page where it showed who was donating to Twitter basically to help get this stuff shut down. Overwhelming amount was the Democratic Party. Obviously makes sense. There's, there's a lot more ties. Twitter was very liberal, a lot more liberal employees, so a lot easier for them to get in. But to say that the Republicans weren't doing this would be a lie. They were doing the same thing. You know, if you go take a look at this for yourself, you can see the amount of money that was being donated to Twitter from each political party. Overwhelming Democrats by a landslide. The more money they were, they were donating. But biggest biggest thing from it was the most notable was the Hunter Biden story. It was basically pushed down and censored by Twitter. And every time you click on it, it was considered misinformation, stuff like that. Every tweet that had to do with it, basically proving that you know. What a lot of conspiracy theorists were saying is that Twitter was, you know, shadow banning, not allowing this information, you know. And it could. It, you could look at it one way and say that it played a big part into the election because, you know, the stuff that was on his laptop, you know, there's some people that might have not voted for Joe Biden based off of what his son did, which should be fair. That should be public knowledge. I mean, there was some, there's some weird shit on that thing. But the craziest thing has to be that no, no major news outlet has even set up peep about this no one has said anything other than twitter twitter is the only place where this is being talked about only place podcast probably as well you know i'm included in that i guess i'm talking about it there's not many people that are talking about this big mainstream media doesn't talk about it a lot i'll get into that a little bit more that's going to kind of be my basis for my just my thoughts segment here but it's kind of a rundown of what that is you know it's there's more to come there's gonna be a lot more information I'm definitely intrigued to see it because I've always thought that there's some shady shit going on on the internet, especially Twitter. But we'll see. I'll talk about it more here in a little bit, though. But this week, moving on, we are ranking my top five reality TV shows. So this is my top five reality shows. And for me, reality TV is basically a bunch of people living in a house or a bunch of people's lives, you know, stuff like that. Let's just get into it. Number five for me, Temptation Island. If you haven't watched Temptation Island, it's a hell of a show on USA Network. Basically, a bunch of couples, I think it's four or five couples, four couples, actually, they show up with ultimatum, you know, either commit or we're done. They split up the significant others, four girls in one house, four, four guys in another. They bring in a bunch of singles that kind of try to lure them into, you know, cheating in a sense but also you know trying to find if one of these women or men fit them better for what they want out of life what they want out of relationship awesome show i love it me and my wife watch it every we've watched every season it's it's very interesting you know one thing i love about it is 
one of those shows where, you know, you hear what other couples talk about and fight about. It's one of those shows where me and my wife, like, we'll watch shows like these and we'll, we'll have conversations. We'll have, you know, we'll talk about our boundaries or, or stuff like that. You know, I, I like these shows because it allows conversation for me and my wife. And if you and, you know, your wife or husband or girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, if you watch it with them, I, I encourage the same. I, I like being able to be, have different discussions, kind of get your partner's point of view on certain things if you haven't already talked about it, share thoughts. And it, it's a fun show, you know. So definitely check that one out if I was you. Number four, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I love the cast. I love this lady named Whitney on there. She's an absolute dime piece. You know, she's blonde. She's got big butt, big boobs, has personality, my type of girl. So that's pretty much the reason why that one's number four. I watched that show for her. My wife knows that I watched that show for her. So number four, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Number three, another reality TV show on Bravo, Southern Charm. I love that show. I, they have, you know, it's a good mix of guys and girls on there. I love the guys on there, Austin, Shep, and Craig. If you're if you're old ladies watching this one, boys, check it out. It's pretty fun. It's pretty entertaining, especially because it has that guy aspect. It's not necessarily always girls, you know. So number three for me, Southern Charm. They're pretty hilarious, pretty funny. The stuff everyone gets upset about. It's so stupid. Rich people problems, I guess, you know. Number two, Big Brother. Kind of a game show, but to me, it, it's a reality TV show. Love Big Brother. Me and my wife watch Big Brother all the time. You know, it's 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 a good show. It's you know, kind of see politicking, see people stabbing each other in the back, all sorts of stuff like that. Good mix of guys and girls. They split the house even. So Big Brother is a fun game show. But my number one is the challenge. If you haven't watched the challenge, you're missing out. It's action. It's drama. It's everything you want out of a reality TV show. There, I mean, they're fighting for thousands, millions of dollars, whatever the case may be, trying to win the money competing, working their asses off, putting in the effort. I love the challenge. I love the cast that it has. I'm a Johnny Banana fan. Also love CT. If you know the show, those two are like the goats. But I love those two guys. They always have good cast members. They have people I hate, people I don't like. So number one for me is challenge. Best reality TV show there is. Hands down. Easy. Challenge is number one. Without a doubt. Moving in to college football takeaways of the weekend. Playoff was obviously set. I think the committee got it right. I don't think TCU should have fell out. I think Ohio State deserves another chance, I guess. You know, they only had one loss, played a week schedule, whatever. But I think they got it right. Heisman finalists also got announced today. Caleb Williams, Max Duggan, C.J. Stroud, Stetson Bennett are finalists. They'll be the ones in New York, so they're obviously top four. I personally think that Max Duggan should win it. He led TCU to a 12-0 season. Balled his fucking ass out in that last game. Gave it everything he got. I mean, the big runs he had down the stretch, you know. Yes, it didn't go their way, but I think that he carried that team. I don't think TCU would be where they are without us, without Max Duggan. CJ Stroud, I don't I don't think you can say the same at Ohio State. I think you put any I think you put any quarterback there, Ohio State's just as good. If not, maybe even better. Maybe they even beat Michigan with a Drake May, in my opinion. So I don't think that he deserves it. Played a weak schedule. Didn't play a lot of tough competition. Blew everybody out. Weak Big Ten, in my opinion, this year. So I don't see why he should get it. Caleb Williams, I think he was the front runner going into this weekend. Played hurt, so that might that shouldn't affect him, but it might. He played really good all season. Lost to Utah twice. Last game he was hurt, so I think he's got a real shot to win it. I wouldn't be surprised if he won it, I guess. But putting Stetson Bennett up there, is like paying a prostitute to come to Thanksgiving dinner, and everyone can tell she's a prostitute, but no one's going to say anything. Stetson's been great. He's a hell of a story. 
but I don't think that he deserves a chance to win the Heisman. And I don't think he should have been top four in voting. Defense carried that team, in my opinion. The offense didn't put up a lot of points. Stetson did what he had to. You put any other quarterback on that team, though, Georgia's beating everybody by 40 every single week because of how good that defense is. I mean, you put a Drake May, a Caleb Williams, a C.J. Stroud, a Max Duggan on that team, I think Georgia's even better than they already are. So I don't think that he deserves deserves the credit to even be there. Well, I wouldn't say he doesn't deserve the credit. I just don't think that he should be one of the four best one of the four best players in all college football this year because I don't think he's really the reason that Georgia's been so good. But that's just my pick. I think Max Duggan should win it. Clemson won the ACC championship. Finally made the right move. Went with Kate or Cole Klubnick or whatever his name is to be the starting quarterback. He dominated as soon as he went in. I mean, it makes you think where could Clemson have been if they just started Klubnick early on. I bet they would have been in the playoff. I bet they don't lose another game. I bet they don't lose to South Carolina. I just don't. And you know, DJ obviously hit the portal. I was talking with someone on Twitter earlier. He's like, oh, oh you know, this guy was saying something like he, he's curious to see what Josh Heupel would do with a DJ Ungalele. And I, you know, I, I think I said it best. I don't think DJ is a five-star like he was. Look at Clemson's track record. Deshaun Watson, stud. Trevor Lawrence, stud. Cole Klubnick. Or Kate, I don't, what is his name? Cole or Kate? Whatever. Klubnick. I'm going to start calling him Klubnick. Klubnick. Kid looks like he's he's the real deal. Looks like he's going to be a top-tier quarterback next year in all college football. So is it really a bad environment, or is DJ just not the quarterback everyone thought he was? Did he just get a pass because of his size and he was playing in high school football? Might have. Could, you know, easily could be scouts just got this one wrong, which I think is the case. I mean, he's he's like number one or number two on most transfer portal things. I'm like, how? I don't. I don't think that he's going to get the big power five looks. I don't think he lands at a, a top 20 program. I don't I don't think that he does. I think he's going to have to go somewhere else. And, you know, everyone can, you can sit back and be like, well, yeah, but they had Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence and Tony Elliott was the OC. Yeah, but why is Klubnik playing so well this year? Is it just the offense fits him better? Or is DJ bad? Did they not have the system built around DJ? Or is DJ bad? In my opinion, I don't think he's that great. He's had a chance to do it now. He just can't seem to get the job done. It's been two years, and Clemson's been a Tier B football team. They haven't been that Tier A like they were before. So I'm interested to see where he lands. I'm interested to see you know, if he can get, get himself on his feet. Could be a lot like Adrian Martinez was at Nebraska. Bad situation. Obviously, Adrian was hurt down the stretch here, but kid played very, very well and very good football for Kansas State most of the year. Could just be a bad environment for DJ. We'll see, though. Pac-12 championship, USC came out hot, man. I mean, I was tweeting. I was like, Caleb Williams for Heisman. This USC team might win the national championship. I was like, holy shit. They came out on fire. He gets hurt. Things start to change. Utah takes over. Utah just takes over. They they settle down. They played confident football. But really what lost this game for USC has to be the tackling. I mean, the third and fourth quarter, man, there was like four what they scored like 21 or 28 21 or 28 points or 24 even maybe in the fourth quarter they were just handing the ball off and running it right down USC's throat and the guys were just sitting there like not even they're just like uh almost gotcha you know they're like a like you're playing with a kid and you're playing peekaboo or keep away and it's like it's that simple they just they had no they had zero lack of effort 
And they need to get that defense fixed if Lincoln Riley ever wants to have a chance to actually win a national title. Man, he has had consistent and consistent problems with defensive, the defensive side of the ball. He just can't figure it out, and I don't, I don't think it's going to get any better for him. Well, who knows? Maybe it will. Just a bad look for them. But Utah, I mean, Kyle Whittenham deserves the utmost respect, man. He has been at Utah for so goddamn long, but he has continuously had them as one of the better programs since they've been in the Pac-12. Had them cruising when they're in the Mountain West, but moved into the Pac-12, back-to-back Pac-12 titles. I mean, a couple of those early season losses, man, completely different story for Utah this season. I'm I'm excited about their future, but they deserve the utmost hiccups every time. But he deserves Winham deserves the utmost respect. I think he's one of the top tier coaches in off college football. Doesn't do it with getting all the four and five stars. You know, gets the job done with guys. They build guys throughout the program. They consistently put talent in the NFL. They deserve the utmost respect in Utah. Hopefully, they get a chance to finally make the playoff one of these years. They probably will when they go to twelve teams. I mean, think about it. If there's 12 teams, they would have just locked themselves up a playoff spot. But, like I said, Cal Winham deserves the utmost respect. Give that guy some respect. Hopefully he can get Utah in the playoff in a couple of years. And I'd love to see him against some more top-tier collegiate coaches and see how he'd fare in a playoff. Moving on to Big 12 title game. Like I said, like I was talking earlier, Max Duggan, man, kid gave the best effort you could ask out of anybody. I mean, those runs in the fourth quarter, man, you could just see how dog-tired the kid was. He put the team on his back. He did everything he could, and it just came up short. You know, and seeing him crying in the post-game press conference, you could just tell You could just tell how much it, he wanted it. It sucks for them, but, I mean, Kansas State deserved it, you know. They almost beat TCU early in the season, and here they were, you know. They, they got the chance. They almost fumbled the bag, but... They found a way. They made that. They made an awesome fourth fourth and goal stop, dude. The defense was there and made the plays that they needed to. And chip shot field goal. Chris Kleiman gets himself a Big 12 title. I'm excited. Like I've been talking about it for a couple weeks now. I'm excited to see what he can keep doing there. Will Howard's going to be a stud next year, though. I think you know another year letting him run the offense. Kansas State might be a team to watch out for. They might come out hot and win the Big 12 next year. Big 10 championship. No big, nothing big there. Michigan won like they should have. You know, it was close. Purdue kept it really close. I, I, I'm excited about that Michigan TCU matchup. I'm not going to get too much into the those matchups. I'm going to kind of wait until it gets closer. You know, kind of take my time, try to give a good, a good perspective, kind of give good numbers when I talk about those games when the time comes. But Michigan got the job done. Tulane also got the job done. Awesome for them. You know, Willie Fritz went two and ten last year at Tulane. Turned the team around, eleven and two, going to a New Year's Six bowl. Just won the AAC. So, uh, fucking shout out to Lane Green Wave, man. So happy for that program. Hopefully, you know, Willie Fritz seems to be staying. So, excited about the future for Tulane. Kind of wrapping up the smaller conferences, you know. Toledo, they won the MAC. Fresno State got the job done. They won the Mountain West. Troy had an unreal season, finishing 11 and 2 and beating Coastal Carolina. I, I had that one completely wrong. UTSA, back-to-backs, USA champions. Interested, like I was talking about on Friday's show, interested to see what's going to happen with their head coach, Jeff Trailer, I believe. Yes, Jeff Trailer, I believe. Interested to see you know, if he's going to stick around at UTSA or if uh, one of these other job openings that's kind of popping up, if he you know, gets a Power 5 look or even you know a step, in, a step up to a, a bigger 
a bigger a bigger non-Power 5 program. And just see what happens with him, but Roadrunner's getting a job done. Last game. Everyone should know what this one is. Georgia, LSU. I'm walking away with this game as a win, in a sense. Yes, I know we lost. Yada, yada, yada. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Duh, 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 duh. Beat us by 20 beats. Beat the Dolphins. They did, though. Georgia didn't beat LSU. LSU beat LSU. Take a look at that block field goal. Even if it's, even if it doesn't go in, that's that's seven points that you don't have to worry about. Seven points that aren't in your favor. You lost the game, fifty to thirty. All of a sudden, it's thirty forty three. You make the field goal, it's thirty three forty three. A ten point ball game, right? I mean, the special teams have killed LSU all year. It's been a continuous problem, a continuous, continuous, continuous problem that needs to change. Brian Poyne needs to be fired, or he needs to step it up next year and should be fired midseason if this shit starts out again next year. Special teams has been absolute dog piss horrible all year for LSU. And that costs you probably the game. You know, and then you take a look at that that fucking whack ass interception. Bounces off a guy's head, interception. Georgia's at the twenty five or thirty or whatever it was. Easy, easy touchdown for them. That's another seven points off the board right there. You know, those those two little mistakes right there don't happen. You have a three point ball game. And you're slinging the ball, putting yourself back in position to win the game. Nussmeyer did awesome, and when he came in, you know, I, I was excited to see the ball move down the field. I hope Jaden Daniels comes back and does that next year. I would like to see Jaden take that, have more faith in receivers, stop stop holding the ball as long as he does. It's better for our offensive line, better for the offense as a whole. So if he can't do that, he's got to go. But if he can do that, I think he's the best option for LSU to win a national championship next year. But, you know, just those two crazy mistakes, you take those away, man, and it's a closer ball game against the number one team in the country, the the big bad Georgia, who I don't I think is very beautiful. I mean, the way LSU was singing the ball, CJ, they're playing C.J. Stroud in the playoff. If he can't do it, then holy shit. I mean, he's not as good as we all thought he was. The ball was moving very, very easily against Georgia late in the second half. I mean, Georgia might have put it on cruise control. I don't know. But I'm walking away from that game as a win. I, I think LSU played great, stupid couple stupid mistakes, the one ball that really didn't bounce your way. It's a complete different ball game. You're fighting till the very end. The team didn't quit. I'm excited about the future. Like I said, Keyshawn Booty coming back now. More guys are going to follow. More guys are going to stick around. More guys are going to come in that can fill gaps that need to be filled. I think I think Brian Kelly and the staff are looking at this game as, you know what? Yeah, we lost. And in the fucking column, yeah, it's an L. But in my opinion, probably in their opinion, you walk away with a W. It's stupid bonehead mistakes. You fix it. You're right back there next year, and you're winning that football game. That's all I have for college football this week. Moving, oh, I'm excited about Army Navy this week. That'll be a fun game. Moving on to a couple NFL thoughts here. First off, Panthers released Baker Mayfield over the week or today. A lot of speculation that he's gonna possibly end up in San Francisco with Dreaming Garoppolo going down. They might they might rock it with Brock Purdy. Might be the case, but I I could see the Niners bringing in Baker Mayfield, the guy who kind of knows that offense. You know, Kevin O'Connell, Kyle Shanahan. I'm pretty sure they come or not. Kevin O'Connell. Oh my God, who's the Browns head coach? Dude, I cannot remember who the Browns head coach is. Kevin Savansky? Right? Who the hell is the Browns head coach? Is it Kevin Stefanski? Browns head coach. Kevin Stefanski, dude. 
he's just that fucking forgettable, I guess. But they run the same offense, you know, a lot of a lot more handed off, a lot more play action. I think Baker could fit very well there. I think it'd be smart for them to bring him in. Could you imagine if Baker ends up somehow going to the 49ers and winning a Super Bowl this year? Ultimate redemption story would be absolute comedy. I mean, Trent Dilfer, he came in and won a Super Bowl for the Ravens in, or in 2000. You know, he was a backup quarterback, got the job done. <coughs> so it's doable. I don't know. I'd love to see that. I'm a, I'm a big fan. So Joe Burrow, he joins elite company with Tom Brady as the only two quarterbacks to ever beat Patrick Mahomes three times. As of right now, the Bengals seem to be the kryptonite that's stopping the Chiefs from just going to the Super Bowl every year. Three straight times now, Bengals have beat him. I don't think they played the year before. Joe Burrow's 3-0 against Patrick Mahomes. Obviously took him out of the AFC Championship last year. You know, Tom Brady, he was the only one beating Patrick Mahomes in the AFC. He's the only one that beat him in a Super Bowl. So those two are apparently the only kryptonite to beating the Chiefs. You know, The Bengals' defense does step up, though. They do make the plays when they want to, when they need to, not when they want to. They make adjustments in the second half. Their defense is playing really good. The Bengals are rolling right now, and don't be surprised if they somehow sneak in and get uh, get the first round by. They're absolutely rolling right now. You know, Jamar Chase was talking a lot of shit because Justin Reed was saying shit earlier this week, so I, I love that part of the game. But Joe Burrow and Tom Brady seem to be the only hope we have of not seeing a Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl championship every year. But as of right now, I don't think Tom Brady's going to be the big fellow to help us out because they're losing to the Saints. And the Saints have a chance to be in the division race here if they win this game. Absolutely wild. And Andy Dalton just, well, I don't know. Bucks are horrible. But Joe Burrow, we love you. Keep it up. Please keep Patrick Mahomes out of as many Super Bowls as possible. Thank you. We love you. From the Riley Brayfield Show and my wife especially, Joe Burrow, we love you. I love you as well. I would love to just shake your hand as a man and be like, holy shit. Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow. but Browns they beat the Texans 27-14 to 14. and you look at that you're like oh the Browns seem to have a good day no not really I mean they didn't score an offensive touchdown they had a punt return for a touchdown quite a few field goals um, fumble recovery for a touchdown and a pick six against the Texans they could not score a single offensive touchdown they had what was it 130 yards passing and 174 yards on the ground on the ground, awesome. That's, you know, you expect that from the Browns with a backfield with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. If they don't have that, then they're not putting up at least 150 on the ground every game. There's a problem. But I think there's a problem there in the fact that you can't score an offensive touchdown with the Sean Watson. I mean, the guy hasn't played football in a long time. It's mostly because he's a sexual assault, not victim. He's a sexual, a sexual assault. What would even be the word, dude? I'm so, I'm drawing fucking blanks tonight. So I'm watching this gross human being, whatever. But I don't doesn't look good for the Browns. I mean, who knows? I mean, next year they'll be back to be, back to bigger and better things. Aaron Rodgers continues to owns the bear continues to own the Bears. Christian Watson is stepping up and becoming an elite wide receiver. Not elite, but you know he's he's definitely putting himself up there as a young contender to you know have a very successful NFL career. Kid's got a ton of talent. Like I've been saying for weeks, man. Packers. I think he just they're kind of training the right direction. You know. I don't think they'll make the playoffs this year. Who knows? I mean, the NFC is a little weaker, but definitely excited. I was, I just like Aaron Rodgers. I really do. I don't care what anyone says. I know nobody likes his antics. He didn't get a COVID shot, whatever. I like that. I like him for that, in my opinion. The Vikings sticking in the NFC North. You know, the Vikings keep on winning, found a way to beat the Jets. Or, yes, the Jets this weekend. By far one of the biggest takeaways from the weekend, man. The Broncos... Broncos got to do something else. You lose the game ten to nine. 
when your defense is playing awesome football. They kept the Ravens under 300 total yards. That's awesome when you're playing the Ravens. Yes, you know, Lamar did end up getting hurt and going out of the game. But you know, your defense also had two turnovers. But you lose the game 10-9. to 9. The offense is garbage, man. Russell Wilson, I don't know if it's a Russell Wilson thing, a Nathaniel Hackett thing, or whatever. Tons of weapons on the offense, though. They've had, they have a ton of talent on that offense. They have a very solid offensive line. So I don't know what the problem is. I, Russ just can't cook. He's he's a garbage quarterback. Maybe his career's over. I feel bad the Broncos just paid him a bunch of money, traded a lot of picks for him. But they're they're the Broncos are fucked with Russell Wilson unless something changes in the next couple of years or next year. I don't even know what it would be. But the Broncos are just not in a good position to be successful. They look like garbage. The offense is lacking the ability to score when the defense is playing amazing. What 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 more can the defense do? You hold the team to ten points. You create two turnovers. You hold them under three hundred yards. The Ravens under three hundred yards. And yes, I know Lamar went out, but Tyler Huntley just as good on his feet. Not just as good, but he's good. You can still make plays downfield, all that jazz, and you lose ten to nine because the offense couldn't score. Gotta be so frustrating if you're a defensive player on the Broncos. Not to wrap up my show here. A little segment the call just my thoughts kind of playing off of the the twitter files and you know how twitter affected the election in a sense basically if i have to give one piece of advice to the world out there it's just this is just my thoughts stop following the mainstream media the mainstream media, the mainstream outlets, all that stuff. The fact that no one has reported on the Twitter files says a lot about mainstream media, you know. And this just doesn't go for Fox News, CNN, M- MSNBC, CBS, those big news outlets. I'm talking about ESPN and pretty much any news outlet, man. I mean, I've talked about it multiple times about, you know, the Kyrie stuff, the Jerry Jones stuff. The, their lack of talking about certain issues until one person speaks out like ESPN doesn't want any dirt on their hands and it's about social issues that affect you know the players it involves you know owners athletes all this stuff and their lack of not talking about these things is fucking alarming to me it's so annoying to consistently not have mainstream media outlets talking about stuff that affects elections that affects how people view people that affects the way that our country is, you know, you can't you can't push this stuff to the side. But if I give you an advice in this world, we got to be done with mainstream media. You're going to find a lot more and a lot better information from podcasts and Twitter alike and TikTok, maybe even TikTok, maybe even Instagram, probably not Facebook. But like you're going to find better, better accountability, better knowledge, more time and consideration looked into situations than you are on the mainstream media. They're just going to always push their agenda. They're never, ever, ever going to change anything. They're always going to stick to their side. They're hardly ever, you know, cut off the beaten path. It's always straight and narrow. We don't want to upset anyone. We want to make sure our donors keep paying us the money. Our funders keep funding us. You know you know what, man? It's, it's fucking garbage. It's, it, mainstream media has ruined, ruined our country. I mean, the, the constant misinformation that's put out there because certain people on Twitter or podcasts or anything like that, they say this thing, they, you know, they dive into the research, they look into things, especially when COVID was going around and saying, this isn't true. Like, look, look at these facts. But then you have CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, CBS, 
all these other news outlets pushing this. Oh no, you know, don't listen to that. This is this is the truth when it's not. We as a society, we as a country need to murder that cult. Murder the cult. Get rid of this idea that whatever these big mainstream media outlets has to say is actually fucking right. It, half the time it's wrong. They never ever ever go off the beaten path. They never once try to look at a different perspective. They never once try to bring other political party views into things. And like I said, it doesn't it's not just mainstream media, it's sports media as well. They they push this agenda, they push this agenda, push this agenda. But then when things involving high profile athletes or owners like Jerry Jones, they don't talk about it. Then all of a sudden LeBron talks about it and it it's leading first take. It's all this other stuff. Like that no. LeBron shouldn't fucking have to say shit about anything. Should LeBron have gotten asked those asked those questions? Probably, because he got asked a thousand about Kyrie, and I don't even like LeBron whatsoever. But he has a point. Why aren't, why aren't we asking about that? It's every, every, it's everything. There is no lack of accountability. There's no motivation to change because they have this cult following behind them that they know more than likely is never, ever going to go away from what they say. They're always going to stick to that side. That's why the two-party system's kind of stupid, but I kind of agree with it. There just needs to be more conversations, more topics being pushed about changing things, about actually finding a way to come up with a solution, have those hard conversations. And that's why I'm happy that Elon's on Twitter, and that's why I'm happy with what he's done right so far. It's a way the world's going to change, and we're going to murder that cult. Murder the cult. Get rid of... When I say cult, I mean the mainstream media and all their stupid followers. And I'm sorry if you're a person that follows them, but you're stupid. It's time to move away from mainstream media and focus more on people that actually take their time do the research, and actually try to give a perspective on both sides of the line about if this is right, if this is wrong, if this is something we need to talk about as a society. Murder the cult. Stop following mainstream media. That's today's show. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. My name is Riley Brakefield, also known as Titties in the Streets. But for now, oh, don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Did I say that? Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. And send this to somebody that needs fucking take my advice and stop listening to mainstream media but for now i love you have a great evening have a great week but for now your boy titties is out